Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as ever I am joined by the punctual Matt. Hello there. So, um, today we are talking about 42. Yep. Your first time ever watching 42. Um, your first time watching an episode written by Chris Chibnall, who, yep. I don't know if the name rings any bells. Is the I, I've heard cut. you discuss yeah. him in relation to this podcast. Yes, he, he, he is the current showrunner of Doctor Who. He came on board uh, with Series 11 as the showrunner. So, not a spoiler to say this won't be the last Chris Chibnall episode. Yeah. Uh, you'll see. Um, before we get into where you would sort of place this, I don't know if you call last week I asked you whether the title 42 triggered any sort of uh, Didn't things. at the time, no. but yeah. when I was doing my usual little Wikipedia yeah. research, oh, yeah. it spoiled it for me. So what what did it say out of curiosity? So it said, first of all, it's a play, and again, this really dates the episode, so it's uh-huh. from the 19th of May. 2007. Uh-huh. So it's a play on 24. Yeah. The it, TV show 24. Yeah. yeah. Which we'll, we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about that in due course I think but about mm-hmm. how effective it is a, a sort of and nod towards that. It, I, I don't know. Does the episode run in real time? So they have okay. 42 minutes yeah. and the shows are usually 45 46 minutes. I was I was trying to test this right as mm-hmm. cause I actually paused it a, a couple of times and sort of checked how much time was remaining on on the episode and what I noticed was it was running more or less in real time but about 5 minutes ahead. Okay. So when when on the screen it would say there's 37 minutes left um, it would say forty-two uh, minutes remaining on the episode, and 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 so on. But is that because so, we have five minutes at the end where I I think like so potentially, but 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 it doesn't really help with the whole twenty-four thing. And the the point that okay, we'll just talk about it quickly now. So the thing with with twenty-four, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan. But the thing that the that made that gimmick work was the editing, right? Mm-hmm. It was, you know, things like showing multiple bits of action going on at the same time. So you could see, like, whilst this is happening, this is also happening. Now we're going to zoom in and focus on this for yeah. a while. And But we don't get anything approaching that here. It, it, if Even if it was in perfect real time, it wouldn't feel like it was. No. Because it's just shot like any other episode it's of Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Yeah. Um, so yeah, bit of a swing and a miss there. I feel on that front. Uh, did it mention anything else about the number forty-two and why that might be significant? Isn't it? Uh, I can't remember whether this was on the Wikipedia, but yeah. isn't it the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yes, it there? is. That's what I was wondering whether it whether yeah. it sort of triggered that memory for you because I if, sort of noticed yeah. that after we'd recorded last week. Yeah, and, yeah. But I never thought of it in yeah. relation, but the, the, I feel like. If you are a hitchhikers, uh, like a proper card-carrying hitchhikers fan, which I am, and to be honest, there's quite a lot of crossover in terms of hitchhikers fandom and See, Doctor Who. It's fandom. one of those things where I've never read the book, I've never right. watched the film. Yeah, and radio it, series, mate. It probably what? should be in yeah. my wheelhouse, but yeah. I've just no interest in it. It's a bit like Terry yeah. Pratchett. I should really like that, but yeah. just no time for just, it. Just yeah, but have you ever tried? Yeah, yeah, yeah just no, just a bit silly. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point. But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I love Hitchhikers to Bits, especially the original radio series. For me, mm. it's just probably the pinnacle of science fiction comedy. It, like, I'm sorry, I, Red Dwarf is is what it is, but nothing for me beats the first two original radio series of uh, Hitchhikers. So, yeah, 42 for me, it's just it's indelible. The second I see it in any context, I'm just thinking of Hitchhikers. I can't help it. It's like a disease. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? Before we get on to rating it. Okay, okay. Because um, let, let, let yeah. me tell you my main criticism. Yeah. My main criticism is we've already seen this episode. Sure, yeah. And this I... is basically the impossible planet just slightly altered. Yeah. That, that was basically a bit like yeah, Friday the 13th. Halloween in space. Yeah. This is exactly the same. Yeah, it's okay. So that, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm going to try to avoid comparing it, uh, comparing the two as much as possible because otherwise I think this episode could very easily devolve into just continually, unflatteringly comparing this episode to The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. <laughs> the similarities are really obvious. But that one was really good. It was. And I think... This is where we we sort of see that maybe the the two big flaws really I think are one that episode uh, uh, Impossible Planet Satan Pit you had two episodes mm-hmm. which gave everything breathing room gave you a chance to establish the characters I can still think back to the and, and like picture those character uh, um, the characters from the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit I can remember their names in a lot of cases. I cannot remember basically anything about the characters on you know, who mm. the, the crew of the ship in forty two, and I watched the episode less than a week ago. Do you know uh, what I mean? It's yeah. just they, they, they it's don't. It's a bit nondescript. That, yeah, they don't really I, have much personality to them. So I, I'm going to pose two questions. Yeah. to you. Well, the first one's less of a question. Yeah. I, I'm just going to. Rate this episode. Yeah, go for Bad it. episode. For it. I, I honestly yeah. can't think of any standout moment where I thought, oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, that's and absolutely fair. Even, and I don't really want to give the game away, but last episode when we looked at the Lazarus yeah. experiment, yeah. the only good thing I liked about that yeah. was the larger links Yeah. in terms of this overarching story. Yeah. And that's acknowledged in this episode. It is, yeah. Just not particularly well. It doesn't feel like it's it, you're moving that forward in much of a significant fashion. Okay, second question. So, yep. We are now, I believe, halfway through season three. Yes. Have we watched a good episode this season? It's a good question. I this I think this yeah. has been really poor. It it's. It's a really, really rough start to a series. I think in the past, we've criticised Doctor Who as being bad when it's just like crazy, outlandish sci-fi with weird aliens and mad concepts. I found season three a bit boring. It's definitely... This this run of episodes towards the start of series three are amongst my least favourite. They really do... It really feels like the show is struggling. It has this... If we take a look at the ser- everything we've seen up until this point, series one 
it's it's a bit of a curate's egg. It's got its flaws, but it is a strong, explosive but, statement of intent as a series. Yeah, it its flaws yeah. are linked to the fact from loads of people for yeah. a whole generation it will be the first Doctor Who they've ever seen. Yeah. We need to establish this yeah. world. We yeah. need to as- introduce these characters. Yeah, it's so, fi- it's, so it's finding its feet. It's yeah, finding it, the toe. We can't just go balls to the yeah. wall yeah. crazy. And they haven't got the budget yet to do anything yeah. um, on that kind of scale. And then Series 2 it's just highs and lows all over the shop. It's like yeah. you hear a fantastic belt of an episode and then a complete just yeah. non... And then this so far at series three, I have a soft spot for Smith and Jones. I can understand if it doesn't work for people. Mm. Um, you know, your mileage may, may vary there. But overall, yeah, nothing's really like getting above like a five or a six out of ten. What? It, um, possibly what? even lower for you. So we have Smith and Jones. <laughs> yeah. Then we have the Shakespeare card. Then we have Gridlock. Oh yeah, I do like I do enjoy Gridlock. So actually, I think da- RTD's episodes have been the strongest so Daleks far. Daleks of Manhattan Evolution of the Daleks. Yeah, which I try to defend, but is a... so the best one probably is Gridlock. Yeah, and it's not perfect. No, not by any means. But I know we, you've just said they're mainly fives and sixes. That's the best one at most. I would give Gridlock a seven. Yeah, yeah, and that's mainly because I love the face of Bo. Yeah. And I love his beautiful face. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's tough. It, it it's it's been a bit of a slog, I'm not going to lie. Um And you know, without giving the game away because we do tend to record two episodes yeah. a day. So today we're going to be doing Human Nature, the two part. Yeah. Watching three of these episodes in a week has really <laughs> really like <laughs> brought the worst out in me oh gosh right well um looking forward to that recording session after this one um (laughs) but okay so focusing in on 42 okay what colors to the mast i don't i wouldn't go so far as i say it's a bad episode i think it's just the epitome of meh it just for me it's in one ear out the other it doesn't stick it doesn't have impact or weight yeah. at any point and it's because i it's think ultimately vanilla. i don't care about any of the people I, I can't get invested in it but anyway we'll 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 try and sort of go through the the, the episode beat by beat and see if there's any any joy to be found okay. in there so so as we've said from the 19th of may 2007 episode 7 of season 3 42 yeah, yeah. Okay, so we begin with the Doctor Sonic screwdrivering Martha's phone. Yeah. So, so it makes it like roses. She yeah. has this universal roaming. Interesting that Rose got that because uh, he refers to it as a frequent fly- flyer's privilege. Rose gets that in episode two, her first yeah. journey out. Martha doesn't get it until episode seven. In, uh, I, I know we've moved into the episode, yeah. and we're not gonna. Go back to sort of reflecting. Yeah, on no, this that's, that's fine. No. What what do you make of Martha up until this point? She she hasn't yeah. developed in the way Rose has. No, Rose went from like a down on her look, just sort of one of life's passengers. Yeah. yeah. To really heroic, whereas Martha just she's a bit of a 
wet blanket. Yeah, I think the thing is, is the, the question is, what's Martha getting out of this? Mm. Is she well, is she interested in the adventurer, or is she just interested in the Doctor, basically? Mm. Um, and signs so far pointing more towards the latter. Mm. Um, I have really strong feelings on Martha, but I think a lot of them I won't really be able to talk about much until we've concluded this series right. so okay. I'm, I'm gonna sort of play my cards close to the chest for now but i don't let's i'll put it this way i don't think she's the worst thing about this episode no no so then we get the usual well it's becoming fairly yeah. usual tardis nonsense bit of turbulence yeah and, yeah you know, and we receive a distress signal so that's sort of our hook into this plot. Yeah, which I, don't, I think this is, this is the first time we've seen the TARDIS like, pick up a distress signal and, like... Because it's almost like a Star Trek hook. Yeah, episode, I don't isn't think it? we have. Generally speaking, they're just like, oh, we're off on adventure, let's see yeah. where we end up. But this one is like, it, he's actually, like... They're, presumably they're rattling through the time vortex and it's just sort of come through randomly. Mm. And he's just like, oh, that's a, that's a, a something to follow, something to grasp onto, and then, boom. The TARDIS lands, but so they're accosted by a spaceship crew. They land yes. on this spaceship. Yeah, um, they're in a chamber that I believe is really hot at the time when they exit the TARDIS. Yeah, some kind of like venting uh, That's system right. or because something. Because the crew think nobody could have survived in yeah. there. Yeah, um, and ultimately the engine of this space station died four minutes ago. Yes. Yeah. So the crew are in yeah. panic. And without getting our ahead of ourselves, yeah. it's going to crash into a sun. It is. Yeah. In 42 minutes. Ah. And that's our that's our hook. So basically, we've got ourselves a ticking time bomb. Got 42 minutes to get, you know, get out of the, the gravity pull of this uh, sun before everybody melts to death. Yeah. I so, mean, which, t- on paper, right, that's a strong premise. Yeah, it? it should be. It should be. <laughs> yeah. I don't. That's the thing. That's another frustrating thing about this story is that it, it, on, on paper, I feel like it should be a real gripping, tense thrill ride of an episode because it's so condensed. And again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. No, that's no, fine. But, go go but ahead. The solution to the problem relating to the ship's engine yeah. involves Martha for half an hour, yeah. possibly the full 42 minutes, just unlocking some doors. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, well, that that's introduced fairly early on, so yeah. w- I want to talk about the uh, the doors. Right. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll cross we'll, that bridge yeah. when we get to yeah. it. Yeah. So, did you recognise... Sorry. Did you recognise the ship's captain? No. Okay. I recognise none of the supporting cast in this. Right. You have definitely seen... One okay. member of this crew that I'm going to talk about. That's my little bit of trivia. All right, episode. okay, okay. But the ship's captain's played by a lady called Michelle Collins. Okay, she was very, very prominent in EastEnders through the yeah. '90s, and then never moved into you. Coronation Street. Okay, yeah, I've okay. never been a soaps guy. So. She was one of the, basically. If you opened a copy of the Daily Star through the '90s, you'd probably see her in it. Fair dues. Okay, so we then get the titles and. This is where we get a little bit of exposition. So we're told this is a transport ship and the TARDIS, as we've said, is inaccessible. It's yeah. in the venting system. 
Yeah. It's too hot. I think at some point they say it's about 3,000 yeah. degrees yeah. in there. And we've, we're getting our first major just cribbing straight from uh, Impossible Planet here because in that one, if you recall, the TARDIS was... Uh, fell down a hole. Fell down a hole. Cause it, well, and yeah, it was going it to was... get a mining drill. Yeah, because basically there was like a um, there was like an earthquake, and that whole section of the base just crumbled into the planet. Um, I mean, I understand why they have to make the TARDIS inaccessible because otherwise the, it would just be like, "Come on, everyone in the TARDIS, <laughs> yeah. let's get out of well, here. Think let's about, get into safety." Um, the Doctor dances where Captain Jack takes the bomb away. Yeah, and then literally they just go, "Just get in the TARDIS, Jack. It's <laughs> yeah, fine." Yeah. Yeah, um, so it, the, it's the it, I think it's it's a difficulty that writers for Doctor Who sometimes have is you know when you've got like a magic box that can take you anywhere and you've got a magic wand that can solve any <laughs> yeah. problem it's like you have to find creative yeah. ways to ride around it but already you know you you're landing on this rickety old spaceship that's like steam bursting yes. everywhere everything looks dirty and and old TARDIS is out of action and already you're like three minutes in you're like this feels very familiar yeah. it just there's no getting well, away from that I, I suppose when it initially aired yeah it would be a year apart. Oh yeah, it would have would have been a. Full you know, year. not everyone's watching yeah. three episodes of Doctor Who a week. No, like no, uh, and so you've got to put it in that context. But also, I I kind of wish they'd maybe had the budget because I wonder whether they reused elements of the set. Mm. Um, and I wish they because maybe... it is very nondescript. Yeah, isn't it? the main difference is the fact that they've just thrown like red lighting over everything. Yeah. Which seems like a very cheap way to ramp up the tension, um, and I wish that it that the, the the crew and the look of the ship had been more distinct from what we'd seen before. If there'd maybe been some alien crew members on board, or if there had, or if it had been like very pristine and white, or something, something to make it feel different. But so yeah. Martha is really, really pissed off that they're trapped yeah as if she hasn't been in this exact scenario with the doctor and forgot that he just always <sighs> gets people out yeah i don't know whether she's ever been at a point where the tardis has been completely inaccessible yeah, in he, this point he so always finds a way she doesn't necessarily she, know she's that yet. A little bit of faith. she's not seen series one and two <laughs> yeah i suppose <laughs> um and the captain of the ship suspects sabotage yeah so Martha goes with a chap called Riley to fix auxiliary power. Yeah. Now that's I think they say at the front of the ship through a series of locked doors. Okay. And now we need to talk about um the perhaps the most contrived writing device I have ever seen in an episode of Doctor Who. Yep. They have decided that the best way to secure the doors of okay, for one how tight does the security need to be on a ship where literally you know exactly who's coming in on and off? It's not like anyone can walk in off the street. Well, the doctor did. I mean, yes, but and for also they weren't that surprised. Were they? I guess they had bigger fish to fry. But I yeah. feel like they didn't like when when they turn up in in the Impossible Planet. They're like, oh my god, how how could you yeah. be here? Not not for a moment. They're not even like, where's your? Yeah, it's because uh, I think yeah. Again, like another reoccurring element of episodes, yeah, is just where people go. Who are you? Yeah, and Martha goes. I'm Martha. That's the Doctor. Like, 
Any further questions? Like, yeah. That doesn't yeah. necessarily answer our question. No, it's like, uh, anyway. Um, so, but yeah, and then the, the, the method that they use for securing these doors. Yeah. So, you know, you need or, you need a barrier yeah. in order to build up the drama. So, so why don't we just have a literal barrier? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not... Okay, we're in the far future, right? They're mining suns. Hmm. What 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 method are they going to use to secure these doors? Um, fingerprint scan, retina scan. Mm. Um, I what, what, what I saw a sci-fi thing once where I don't know whether it's got any basis. In fact, it was like breath recognition, like it was detecting mm-hmm. molecules in somebody's breath. Um, no, pub quiz. Just like we, what? we we have more advanced security now <laughs> than they have on this ship. How does that... All somebody needs to do to bypass this security system is ac- have access to Google or just be so, an, at one of the eggheads. And the thing is, as well, if if I was the captain of this ship... Yeah. And, I don't know, I was retiring and I sold you the ship. Yeah. And then there's a security issue and the first thing says, what is the captain's favourite colour? <laughs> you know, this is... Not Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And oh. one of them, who had more number ones? The Beatles or Elvis? Yeah. Like, who cares? That is not a secure question. It's not. Like, like I say, it's just you know it or you don't. And so if you could look it up, which you should be able to do, because presumably they will have some kind of data system, in, you yeah. know, whether it's internet or something else, you know, on this ship. That's not secure. Plus, you're not restricting... They only get one opportunity to put the data in. Yeah. So, the amount of times at work, I'll try and log on my computer, put my password in, and it's almost like a routine. I'll put the wrong... I'll put my old password in. Yeah, yeah. It'll say no, and then I'll go, that's right, I've updated my password. It's this one. Yeah. So, you get one chance, or the entire spaceship locks down. It's so contrived and so stupid that I feel like the, the episode is basically shooting itself in the foot at this point because it's so hard to get back from that. It takes me out of the episode so much. I'm just like, this is dumb and I can't care. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I try. I do try. So whilst they're opening doors, the doctor goes with the ship's captain to the medical centre. This is where we're introduced to Corwin. Oh, yeah who is the captain's husband. He's sort of writhing in pain. It's almost like an MRI scanner they're yeah. putting him in. Yeah. Now, let's talk about Abby, the nurse. Okay. Because this is the member of the crew that Dive. I know you've seen. Okay. Now, I haven't. Do you recognise this actress? And foolishly, I've not written her name down. I honestly don't. I don't. I feel like I, maybe I should have, but... So, we're in series three here. Yeah. This actress makes an appearance in series 11. Okay. Doctor Who. Right. Because it's the actress that plays the part of Rosa Parks. Oh my goodness, is it? It is. Wow. Well, that... T- no spoiler, she puts in a heck of a better performance in series 11 than she does in uh, this one. When, when I was Googling Ollie cast, yeah. 
it came up, and I, I apologise, I forget the actress's name. Yeah. And it said, starred in Doctor Who as Rosa Parks. Yeah. And I thought, well, Rosa Parks wasn't on a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. And then when I checked, she yeah. came back in series 11. Yeah. Oh, well, that's... Um, yeah. It's, it's, I'm glad she got another crack at the whip, because she certainly made her mark on the show with that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean... To be fair, she's given nothing to do in this one. She gets yeah. like about ten lines, and it's all exposition. And then, uh, is it in this scene or one shortly after when she's killed off anyway? So yeah, yeah. And by killed off, you mean eviscerated, yeah. like blasted into soot. Yes. Yeah. So by Corwin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who so what, is? Yeah. Sorry. Whilst we're in the medical centre. Ashton, who is your archetypal tough guy, oh yeah, yeah, explains that Corwin did sabotage the ship, so the doctor sedates him, and says he's infected, and it's made him go mad. Yeah, uh, and then in my notes I've just put Martha's opened some doors by this point. <laughs> so if, yeah. you were, if you were really interested in that plot thread, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, some of the doors are open. I think she's maybe open yeah. two or three. Yeah. Okay. So in order to do so. Martha rings, and in my notes, I've just referred to her as her bitch mum. Yeah. What, it's I, fair. What, what's her beef? What's her problem? Um, I mean, to be fair, it sounds like you feel probably that her family's kind of falling apart. Yeah, but like... But, you know... If, if you made a new friend, and yeah. I just kept saying, Oh, David, don't, don't hang, hang out with Michael, he's bad news. <laughs> in that scenario... I'm the dickhead, yeah, oh, not yeah. your new friend. Absolutely. Like, I don't think anyone's meant not meant to find her aggravating. Why, why can't she just be happy her daughter's got a new friend? Um, well, I mean, the answer is because she's had information from Mr. Saxon uh, that the Doctor is bad news. We don't but, know what she's been told. Who's she going to trust? Mr. Saxon... Who says the doctor's bad news? Yeah. Or her own flesh and blood, her daughter, who just says, "Yeah, he's okay. Don't worry about it." You don't know how trustworthy Mister Saxon is. Well, he seems like a bit of a jerk to me. <laughs> so she re- Martha's wrong a mother because she wants the answer to the question: Who had more number ones, the Beatles, or yeah. Elvis? Yeah. Okay. Whilst that's happening, Corwin stirs and is revived. And he keeps saying, burn with me. Yeah, that's our little tagline for the episode, really, isn't it? That's yeah, what but... everyone who gets infected says. We don't know why. We don't really know what that means. But, I mean, we, we can guess it's bad news. Yeah. but Because this is the point where he opens yeah. his eyes and just kills Abby. Yeah, and, and the eyes are just like white, glowing. Like, yeah. yeah. And when by the time the Doctor gets to the med bay... There's just this soot outline yeah. of Abby on the wall. Yeah. Okay. So the test results that the doctor had run yeah. come back and show that he's not currently human. Yeah. So Corwin at this point is something else. Yeah. And he's overrun with this infection. So sure. Yeah. I think the doctor maybe gets on the intercom and warns all yeah. staff to be wary. Yeah. And again, we're getting here our second major cribbing from uh, Impossible Planet Satan Pit because it's it's a possession story. Yes. Essentially. This this bloke's just become possessed by some evil unseen entity. And on we go. 
It's just not as good, is it? It's not. Anyway. <laughs> so, we've got a new crew member introduced at this point. One of right. the mechanics called Erina, I believe. Okay, she... I'll take your word for it. I remember none of the character names in this right. episode. Well, she's just having a sulk and a moan. And in amongst all the complaints, she goes, kill me now. Oh, God, yeah, I remember so that moment. Corwin does. Okay, I have a real beef with this scene because she presumably is aware that they've got less than 42 minutes before they all fall into the sun and die. Yeah. And she decides that is the point at which to be surly and... and sulk about the fact that she's being asked to fetch and carry some bits and bobs to help fix the ship <laughs> to yeah. get them out of the the gravity pull of the sun. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Choose fuck your you. Yeah, yeah I, there's a time and, and that's the kind of thing where I just feel like Chibnall, for whatever reason, has really struggled to imbue any of these crew members with any sense of reality. Yeah, because they you know, don't behave like real people. When, one of the best things, and I know it was a two-parter, yeah. and I don't want to just keep talking about the impossible It's going part, to happen. Let's just accept there it. There were scenes where they were, like, sat having dinner together. Yeah. And you were able to establish, like, the social hierarchy and the dynamics yep. in the yep. group. Yeah. And you within within the first half an hour of that story, you knew who everyone was. Yeah. Yeah. You maybe wouldn't remember their names, but you could recognise them on site. You knew what their role was within we, the within We remember the crew. one name, Scooty Manista. <laughs> yes. yes. My, my all-time favourite Doctor Who character that you then named your first Bond son after. I did, yes. Um, uh, yeah, it, you, you, but you knew these people, right? Mm. They, In some cases, they're a bit tropey, right? They're a little bit two-dimensional, but they still felt like... These some of these characters on this ship, they don't even feel one dimensional. It just feels like someone's just wandered in and it's just saying some stuff. Because I mean, I, I made a point of writing down their names, yeah. just so it's easy when we're discussing it, we know who's who. But like, for example, the captain, I've just referred to as the, the captain. captain. Yeah, that that is her. Does she have a name? I don't know. I don't know. That is her like yeah. story. Yeah, arc, isn't it? And in terms she's of in like, charge. what can I what can I tell you about her? Well, she seems a bit grumpy, but then again, her husband is dying, and she's about to yeah. d- die in by hurtling into a sun. So fair enough, she's a bit grumpy. Um, beyond that, at this point, I don't know a thing about her. Yeah, I don't nothing. Yeah. Anyway, right. So Corwin. <laughs> Then infects Ashton. So we sort of have yeah. two possessed people yeah. around the ship. So they almost divide the task of murdering everyone. Ashton goes after Martha and Riley. Yeah. Corwin is just still plodding about killing yeah. anyone he sees. And is this where Corwin gets his sort of knockoff Stormtrooper helmet? Well, it's it's a welding mask, isn't it? Yeah. Again, it reminds me a little bit of Jason Voorhees, like Man in the Mask. Yeah. You know, you can't see the face of your killer. Yeah. What I don't understand is maybe, maybe cause, I mean, I'm not a practical person. I haven't done any welding in my life. Do they normally have a little twiddly knob so you can sort of like open up the eye yes. slot? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. So that's so, not a complete. Well, com- commonly, okay. nowadays, it will be like a full face yeah. visor that you will lift yeah. up yes. when you need to see. But I do believe some models the we'll have a little... the 
the visor, yeah. as it was, that stops the bright light yeah. getting through. You can switch up, switch down. Okay, right. So, because I, I remember looking at it and just thinking, like, it, it's basically like they wanted him to have, like, Cyclops' visor yes. from the X-Men. Yeah. It's it's basically just that concept, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it right. looks really sort of cosplayish to me. Yeah. And it's really sort of pretend. Yeah. Yeah. I it's know. a bit like an off-brand serial killer. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like one of those sort of like dodgy Chinese action figures. <laughs> yeah. So the question I put to you, David. Yes. There's a serial killer on the spaceship. Okay. You know he's coming for you. Yep. You're in an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. What are you going to do? Is the Doctor present? No. Okay. Um... Then I'm probably fucked if it's an episode of Doctor Who and the Doctor isn't around. <laughs> oh, you're forgetting the main part of every episode of Doctor oh, Who. Oh, I just run around a bit. They run around for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they hide in an escape pod, which is their own downfall. Yeah. Because rather than murdering them, Ashton just, just sets it to Jetson yeah. from the ship. So that's so he doesn't need to yeah. kill them. They're just going to die out in <laughs> yeah. space. So that's Martha and uh, Riley. Riley, yeah. So, Corwin then has caught up with the captain. Yeah. And rather than kill her, he says this is all her fault. Mm. Not good if your husband is on a murderous rampage. (laughs) Not what you want to hear, is it? No, no. (laughs) Yeah. So, for example, here's a new new member of the crew that we just haven't discussed. (laughs) Scannell. Is he the bald bloke? Uh, Possibly. I can't remember. I remember one of them's bald. And that's his thing. Yeah. So he's bald. So he uses the cooling vents that were discussed earlier. But apparently now, rather than being really hot, they're really cold. And he vents ice from the cooling vent to freeze Ashton. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's. I mean, they used to be hot, now they're cold. Don't ask questions. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know how the spaceship works, to be fair. No. So, at this point, Riley and Martha have been blasted into space. Yeah. And I think... I don't want to say it's the good bit of the episode. I would. It, it's an okay bit. I would definitely where, say that it is the strongest scene in the episode. the Doctor's looking out through like a porthole yeah. at Martha. Yeah. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs, but yeah. obviously through the void of space, she can't hear yeah. him. And he just keeps saying, I'll save you. Yeah. I'll save you. And then I, I, the bit that I'm thinking of that I, I particularly would like to praise is is the, the, the dialogue between uh, Riley and Martha in that uh, That was pod. the next part yeah. I was going to discuss. Yeah. So it's where they're discussing family. Yeah. And yeah, it probably is the strongest bit of the episode. I think it's the first time that any of the crew members gets an opportunity to remotely come across as an actual human being. Mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, I think it gives Freema some of her best opportunities to actually act that mm-hmm. we've seen for a long time. And she, I think she proves that she is up to the challenge of doing that. Um, I think it's a really lovely scene for Martha. And without it, I would, I'd easily knock a point off this episode. Mm. It's, it's one of the, it's few saving graces for me. Um, I don't really have much more to say about it in terms of like the detail because what they discuss is not. It's just like you know, 
he's a bit lonely because it's hard to make friends out in the middle of space yeah. and yada yada. And she's the, look. It's it's it. The reason I think it works is because it's that classic writing trick of having the physical circumstances um, representing the emotional state of the characters. Yeah, they are adrift emotionally and also physically. They are floating out into nothingness because they're in this little capsule together, um, and. If Chibnall had, could have, have brought that kind of emotional weight to the rest of the episode, mm. imagine how... I don't think I would be complaining about how similar the plot beats feel to the Impossible Planet. If he could have made me invested and care about these people to the same extent. Mm. But this is kind of it yeah. for that. <laughs> this is the one yeah. moment we get. So, so yeah. Back on the ship, Ashton catches up with the captain. And amazingly, she tries something that nobody else has. Yeah. She just beats him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone else has sort of just accepted, oh, no, we're going to die. She just absolutely gives him a pasting. Yeah. And whilst that's happening, the doctor goes after Martha, but... It's one of the few times we've seen him desperate. Yeah. And not necessarily lose his cool, but I don't... The reason he always has his cool is because he has calculated a plan for everything. Mm. This is him desperate. Yeah, well... That's the best word for it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Time is really running out. Mm -hmm. Um... He's... he's, It's still probably a bit raw with him losing Rose, and he's, he's... just in this one episode made the decision basically that Martha's getting the proper upgrade that she is going to be like a mm. proper member of his little team in, he's not she's not just in classic yeah. here and again my knowledge is limited is there cases where the doctor does have a companion short term yeah for less than a series an episode or two yeah yeah that does happen every now and then right um Often it's for like behind the scenes reasons with it not working out with an actor or writers deciding that that character doesn't really right. fit or whatever. But um, but yeah, no, there are definitely examples, and it's part of the reason why there is within the fandom there is constant debate about who counts as a companion, right. and who doesn't. Right. So, whilst in the pod, following the discussion about family, Martha yeah. rings her bitch mum. Yeah. Who was slightly less of a bitch this time. Yeah. And there's a lady listening in on the phone call. There is. Yeah. So, again... One of Mr. Saxon's goons, we can yeah. presume. But again, she's not given any opportunity to build herself as a character. No. You know, further down the line, when, I don't know, when we finally meet Mr. Saxon proper, are we going to see this lady as, like, his chief heavy... Or is she just literally, I'm listening to a phone call and you'll never see me again? I just think, this would this episode have benefited from being a two-parter? And just giving everyone a bit more breathing room? Mm, that's an interesting question. Because, um, I mean, it is rubbish. Yeah. And, and I'd hate to think I'd watch twice as much rubbish. <laughs> but if they just had that little bit more room, mm. there'd be 
less rubbish potentially if that time was spent really fleshing out those characters yeah the one thing i think that would be lost is the central conceit of it being this countdown we'll call it 84 instead of 42 that's too long though isn't it i don't yeah <laughs> you, it's you're basically it's i don't know if you told me you my death was imminent it. in one hour 24 minutes but i'd then, still be if you if you got to the if it got to the last 10 minutes of the episode um, and they were like seventy four minutes until it, it, yeah, you know, we'll even... throw in one of Doctor Who's like false cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah. Like oh no, someone's dead. Next episode, no, it's all right. They got better. I don't know. I think you'd struggle to sustain a a countdown across two episodes airing a week apart. Mm. If it was a if it was a single film, yeah, then maybe. But I just think the central premise, such as it was meant that you had to try and do it as a single story but then you you're saddled with this problem of you've got all these people that you can't care about so outside the ship the doctor's sort of crawling along and he manages to pull a lever yeah i have no idea why it's on the outside of the ship no it seems like very poor design it, it, it seems like quite an important yeah. function as well it feels to me like it that ship must have been designed as by the same person who designed the space station in the end of the world yeah. Where they put that um, that solar really important... panel, yeah, not solar panel, but yeah. the solar blocking panel, yeah. and there's just one button. <laughs> that can... And also the the, the one disabling thing, uh, lever that is on the end of a narrow precipice yeah. uh, uh, behind a load of yeah. fast oh, rotating fans. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor poor ship design. So he pulls so he, the lever. He, he does that, yeah. The pod begins to move back towards the ship. Yeah. That would be a good false cliffhanger <laughs> if we yeah, split this. I guess. But I, I didn't really understand what was going on at first here, but then the doctor sort of stares into the sun. Yeah. And I thought it was a bit like the film Sunshine, where he just realises how beautiful it is and yeah. he's mesmerised by it. Yeah. But. Somehow, some sort of leap in logic, yeah. the Doctor realises the sun is alive. Yeah. And he becomes... The Doctor becomes possessed yeah. by the sun. He, feel, he obviously senses that that like that consciousness has somehow entered into him to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason people are becoming possessed by this sun is, as we've said, this ship is mining the sun. Yeah. With it being a living organism, it's screaming in pain. Yeah. And now it's fighting back okay so you kind of intimated earlier that you don't like this idea yeah yeah i kind of do but it's the same question i ask every week yeah. why does it have to be an alien <laughs> <laughs> i mean well is it it's 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 uh, okay it's an alien in the sense that it is a conscious entity somewhere in the depths of space yeah it's a sci-fi show are we not allowed to have living but sons? Every fucking week. <laughs> I you agree know, with you that it, it would be nice to occasionally have like a pure historical episode where there are no aliens involved. It's one of the things that I really like about early Doctor Who, especially the William Hartnell era. They did lots of stories where it was just like, we're going to go to the Aztec period and we'll have peril, we'll have a story, mm-hmm. but the story will be based around the fact that we're rubbing shoulders with flipping Aztecs and they want to like murder everyone. Um, in order to appease rain gods. Um, and that's enough of dramatic tension. We don't need to throw aliens into the mix. But with this, I'm sorry, it's a spaceship. We're out. 
it's fine. It's fine. And I, I like. I think it's interesting. It's mysterious. It's the only downside to it is that it basically is playing into the uh, this idea of possession. And we've already seen people running around on a spaceship or a space station yeah. with you know, people being possessed and whatnot. So it, it feels a bit too familiar. Like there is, um, there is a whole kind of subgenre of Doctor Who stories, which is the base under siege. We've seen it a few times already. This is a classic example of it. But that you don't always have to make it a possession thing. Yeah. You, can, you know, there are other ways you could you could play well, it. Think but... about Dalek. Yeah. That, that's that's a base under siege. Yeah. 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 It's it's it it fit it's one of those templates. Or that even fits parting of the ways where we really have well. the headquarters of Torchwood under siege. Yeah. Yeah. Um because at the end of the day, the way this program works, that you've only got set, uh, you know, so much budget for sets and things like that. You pick your setting, you tell your story within it. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Right. So, in order to free the Doctor from this possession, they work out they need to freeze him to minus 200, which Martha <sighs> yeah. does. Yeah. Well, attempts to do. Yes. Yeah. But despite being beaten up, Corwin's still alive. Yeah. And he says that they have to give back what they took. Yeah. So he hunts down the captain. Yeah. And in true alien style, uh-huh. I think it's alien resurrection. Yeah. She just blasts both of them out the airlock. Now yeah. There's, there's aliens where they blast the queen alien out the airlock. In this, in Alien Resurrection, mm. they shoot a hole in the side. Of I'll, the ship. I'll be honest, the only alien film I've seen is Alien. I've never seen any of the sequels. I, they're on my to-do list. I've just not gotten around to them. They're so good. Even yeah. Alien 3 and Resurrection, which are rubbish, are good. <laughs> good to know. Um, right. So the Doctor starts freaking out. Yeah. And despite... And to be fair, David Tennant is giving it some welly in yeah. this scene. The script doesn't justify this level of commitment, but, you know, fair play to the man. He's going for it. So they get the auxiliary power to work. Yeah. Except it doesn't work. <laughs> so having spent all this time getting through all the doors, it was all for nothing. <laughs> yeah. So because the sun's been saying they have to give back what they took. Yeah. Martha says that they have to vent the engines and dump all the fuel. Yes. Okay. Now, I have... I have one major question about this. Mm-hmm. They were mining this sun just for their own fuel supply? You seem to be. So they've 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 burned a load of fuel to go all the way into the depths of space to get to this one sun. Well, we don't to know mine that. it all just to put it back in their the, fuel tanks. The way I interpreted it was they were mining it in the sense of it was a bit like a petrol station. So it does say they're a transport ship at the right. beginning. Right, okay. So I think they were maybe just going from A to B. And they'd stopped off stop. to do... Maybe so that. I don't know it, whether then. the... Yeah. What they were carrying was this fuel. Okay. But that's how I'd read Earlier it. when they were talking about mining it, I assumed... I, when someone says that they're mining a thing, I assume and, that that's the commodity that they're taking again, back to we sell. we go back to Impossible Planet, yeah. and you think mining... On that large scale, not like a petrol pump. Yeah, yeah. So and, and and again, like the thing with that as well, we knew early on 
it was clear what what the mission was with that yes. spaceship. It, it, it's that it was an exploratory mission, which is why they had an archaeologist present, why they, you know, and things like that. They were, we even knew that they were from Torchwood. We didn't know deep masses about what Torchwood was at that point, but you know, we got a sense that this was this was an act of human curiosity, an expedition. These guys on the ship, they're just sort of like generic space space yeah like (laughs) it's really hard to get a handle on what they're doing but right so martha's plan works the impact's averted yeah so even though they're sort of drifting in space they've sent a mayday there's no problem yeah they have no fuel they just sort of have to sit it out yeah okay martha then kisses riley goodbye yeah which feels i don't know how you felt about that well she spent all season being in love with yeah. the doctor, yeah. Until all of a sudden she's not, yeah. Um, and then we end with the doctor giving Martha a key to the TARDIS, yeah. And and again we get the callback: frequent flies privilege. Yeah. So, so Martha, one last time, calls her mum. Yeah. And this is where the episode ends. We find out it's election day. Yeah. We know from previous episodes we've seen posters, vote, vote for Saxon. Saxon. Yep. And the ominous lady. Listening to the calls, takes does she take Martha's she mum's Martha's phone? phone? Yeah, yeah. Puts it in like a bag. Yeah, and we get the revelation that she works for Mister Saxon. Yeah, which is funny because like, okay, here's the thing, that's Martha's mum's personal mobile. Yeah, and they're just gonna like bag it for. How, how is she gonna explain that when her friends ring her? Exactly. Presumably, she's just gonna be like, oh. I think do they at least give her a new phone? Yeah, <laughs> like it's really it's... weird. I mean, I, I mean, I understand why they'd maybe want to like try and trace the call or something. I, but... Imagine if you tried to call me, and you couldn't get through. Yeah, and then I don't know. I send you a message on Facebook saying, "Sorry, not got my phone. It's been seized as evidence." <laughs> <laughs> How does uh... that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, I never even considered that angle, but yeah. <laughs> Like, it's super awkward. No wonder, like, Martha's mum's always angry. Everyone probably <laughs> thinks she's, you know, it could be a burner phone, she could be some sort of drug lord, or she's been, you know, eliciting yeah. things she shouldn't be. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's strange, isn't it? Um, so, that's that. That's 42. It, it's it just... It's just an absolute nothing episode. It is, isn't it? Like, what have we learnt this episode? I think the big thing you meant to take away is that Martha's mum is working in league with Mr. Saxon. Definitely, but, yeah. But we knew that's that. A thing. Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't really that. move that forward. It reinforces it, but it doesn't yeah. drive that any further. We get the fact, the sense that the Doctor has fully accepted Martha on board the TARDIS, which has been a sort of a tension through these earlier episodes. But, but, but again, like, not, we were moving towards that. There was yeah. times where, where he sat and talked about Gallifrey. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel. It feels like it feels like the key and the phone should have already happened. Yeah, because several episodes previously, we had it where she said she no longer wished to travel with him. I'm just a passenger, and he says, "No, you're not." Yeah, we haven't learned anything this episode. It's filler, isn't it? Yeah, it just it's this season's fear. Her. Yeah, I, 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 don't like using the word filler in relation to Doctor Who because. Often it's used to imply a show which is mostly one overarching narrative 
an episode where which doesn't drive everything forward. Doctor Who is mostly standalone stories with a bit of a sense of overarching mm. narrative within a series to give it a sense of continuity. But this feels like it. I don't mind a filler in inverted commas episode if it feels like it has something to say. Mm. What what is the story of forty two telling us yeah. about what it means to be human? About is it an environmental thing? If it is, it doesn't feel like a strong environmentalist story. It's I don't feel like Chibnall had anything to say. Yeah, it's just filling time. Yeah, it, and that's frustrating for me. Mm, yeah, it's just not a strong episode at all. Yeah. It's a would, shame. would you put it in the category with Fear Her and Love and Monsters? I don't think I wouldn't put it. Okay, so I, 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 if you recall, I said Love and Monsters and Fear Her. I feel like going different categories anyway because Love and Monsters ambitious failure. Yeah. Uh, Fear Her just nothing. So it's closer to to the Fear thing. I wouldn't rank it as low as Fear Her because mm. I feel like Forty Two is is watchable. Like, it doesn't offend me with its awfulness. It doesn't have like that a, a crappy um, child actor and the, like the Olympics nonsense that Fear Her suffers from. But mm. so I find it more watchable than Fear Her. But I don't. It's not good. Mm. It's not a good episode. No. But, well, fingers crossed. Maybe next week will be better. Next week we will be discussing human nature and the family of blood. Yes. So join us for that. Until then, thanks very much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at Time Nor Space Pod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.